Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Forza Napoli Calcio Podcast. A podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. I hope everyone's doing well. I've got a really interesting episode for you today. As always, we'll start with the news across Europe, Serie A, and with Napoli. In part two, we'll do our weekly player profile, and this week we're going to take a look at Matteo Politano. And then in part three, we'll do our second feature story, which is about broadcasting rights in Serie A. Starting in Germany, the Bundesliga became the latest league in Europe to end. Well, not exactly. They're still going to play out the season. But Bayern Munich defeated Borussia Dortmund on Tuesday, moving seven points clear of Dortmund with six matches to play. So that season is pretty much over. After the first two rounds of German football were free to watch in Germany, to watch this match, which was the marquee match of the week, Germans were required to purchase some package or another from Sky. Sky was offering a 12-month bundle, which costs about €25 a month, or a two-month super sport ticket, which costs €40. Staying on the topic of broadcasting, La Liga is planning on incorporating fan audio into their broadcast, which I'm curious to see how that goes. In Spain, La Liga is expected to share the full schedule for the balance of the season on Thursday, but it appears the first match will be the Sevilla Derby between Sevilla and Real Betis on June 12th, and the final match will be on July 19th. In Holland, Alkmaar is appealing to UEFA to change the Eredivisie's decision to use the standings at the time the season was ended to determine Champions League qualification. If you recall, prior to the season being voided, Ajax and Alkmaar were tied on points, but Ajax was ahead on goal differential. However, Alkmaar had won both head-to-head matches. 
The Dutch Football Association has already said they will not change their decision, and I don't expect UEFA to intervene. UEFA's original direction was they would leave it to the football federations to determine how they do European qualification, so long as the decision was based on merit, which it is. In England, four more people have tested positive for COVID-19 during the third round of testing. The ratios are still very low, but I fear that so long as there are positive tests, resumption of the EPL is slowly getting further away. That said, on Wednesday, the EPL unanimously voted to resume training, and the date of that resumption will be decided on Thursday. The last thing I want to talk about in the European news is women's football, because I haven't really talked much about that yet on the pod. So let me give you a rundown of the status of the major European leagues for women. On Monday, the Football Association announced that the Women's Super League and the Women's Championship, which are the top two women's leagues in England, have been ended immediately, and this decision was made after receiving overwhelming feedback from the clubs, and just about every club issued formal statements saying that while they were disappointed they wouldn't be able to complete the season, the safety and well-being of the players and staff are top priority. That unity amongst clubs was really refreshing to see. I know there's not a lot of money in the women's game, but when you think of the statements made from Lotito and Chilino and others in Serie A, for example, I think this is an area that the men can definitely learn from their female counterparts. As far as the final standings, Champions League qualification and relegation, all of that remains to be determined, but the decisions will be based on sporting merit. In Spain, the Iberdrola Liga was cancelled two weeks ago after the Spanish Football Federation made the decision to end all amateur sports. They crowned Barcelona champions, who are nine points clear of Atletico Madrid, who finished in the second European spot. At the bottom of the table, no teams will be relegated. However, the top two clubs in the second division will be promoted, so next season's Iberdrola will have 18 clubs. Now, one thing I completely disagree with is the classification of women's football as amateur. And I think one of the positives that might come out of COVID-19 is a change in this regard. And on Monday, Italian Minister of Sports Vincenzo Spadafora said, This emergency has shown some critical issues in the world of football that we will face in a general reform that will happen before the end of the summer. Among those issues, we include allowing women's football players to become professional athletes. So this may be one of the few areas in Italy where the Italians are actually ahead of the rest of Europe. The Serie A Femminile has not been cancelled, at least not yet, and that too is on the agenda for the meeting on the 28th. Moving on to Serie A, Sky Sports is reporting that the A-clubs who didn't play match day 25 could play their matches first. So as a reminder, that would be Atalanta, Sassuolo, Hellas Verona, Cagliari, Inter Sampdoria, and Torino Parma. And they're also reporting that those matches could be played on June 13th or 14th. Now that makes perfect sense to me. A part of me thinks the plan is just to play as many matches as possible to at least get closer to the end of the season. And then if everything has to stop again, then you just use the current standings to determine the champion, European qualification, and relegation. At least that way, all clubs would be on the same number of games at that point. And the Verona, Cagliari, and Torino-Parma matches are particularly important, as both of those clubs could find themselves sitting in 7th place. And if the Coppa Italia is not played out, or if it is either won by Juventus or Inter, then 7th place would qualify for the Europa League, so I think these two matches are really key. After that, I'm indifferent between using the standings or playing a playoff to determine the champion. 
in every scenario, including playing all of the remaining matches, I think there will be an asterisk placed next to this Scudetto. Last episode, we talked about the presidents not wanting to finish the season with a playoff. According to Tuto Sport, Serie A is considering shortening the 2020-2021 season so that it can be completed between a late start and the Euros in the summer, and if so, they could use a playoff to decide the champion next year. Back to the Coppa Italia, there are also reports that the semifinals could be played on the 13th or 14th. Unfortunately, Inter have a game in hand and they're still alive in the Copa, otherwise you could have done both at the same time. Now something that could put a wrench in the entire system is the growing number of injuries. We saw earlier this week that Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Jao Felice have both sustained injuries. Ibra was thought to have had a possible Achilles tear, but it turned out to be just a calf injury, so I think that's not going to be career-ending. And Felice has a sprained MCL. According to Australian doctor Joel Mason, injuries in the Bundesliga are up 266% since play resumed. And as you'll see in part 3, I think Serie A will do everything in their power to resume. According to FIGC president Gabriele Gravina, if Serie A does not resume, the damage will be irreparable. The league has already lost half a million euros and employs about 100,000 people. Moving on to Napoli, I don't have much news to report. I'm going to hold off on transfers until next episode. We've talked at length about what could happen with the current Napoli players. So over the next few episodes, I'll talk in more detail about some of the players that are most likely to come to Napoli, which includes Everton Suarez, Victor Osimhen, Sardar Azmoun, and Jeremy Boga. And I'll also talk about some of the less likely players to come to Napoli. And in that category, I'd put Jordan Vertu, Milo Rashica, and many others. So that's it for part one. In part two, we'll do another player profile. Okay, so today's player profile is on January signing Matteo Politano. Though his parents are from Fiumefreddo, Bruzia in Calabria, Politano was born in Rome, and that's where he started his youth career. He entered Roma's youth system at the age of 10 and progressed through the ranks, collecting a few trophies along the way. In 2010, he helped his U17 Roma squad win the Campionato Nazionale Allievi. The following year, he moved to the U19 squad, even though he was still 17, where he won the Campionato Nazionale Primavera. Twelve months after that, still with the U19s, Politano won the Primavera Coppa Italia as well. As is often the case with young talent, Politano was loaned out to gain experience and to ensure he had consistent playing time. In 2012, he was loaned to Perugia, who were in Serie C at the time. The then 20-year-old scored 8 goals in 28 appearances that season. And after one year with Perugia, Politano was loaned to Pescara in Serie B as part of a swap deal that saw Politano and Gianmario Piscitella go to Pescara in exchange for Gianluca Caprari. Politano registered 12 goals and 8 assists in 77 Serie B games 
for the Delfini before joining Sassuolo in the summer of 2015. Sassuolo signed Politano on a temporary deal with an option to purchase, which Sassuolo exercised in 2016. Politano actually made his Serie A debut against Napoli, and Sassuolo won that match 2-1. Three games later, Politano scored his first goal in Serie A. Prova a far da solo dentro per Politano, il pallone di Politano! Segna proprio contro la Roma, 2-1 del Sassuolo al 45esimo del primo tempo. Il cuore di Politano, il raddoppio del Sassuolo. So that was Politano scoring against his hometown club Roma, who still owned him at the time, and a team that included the likes of Francesco Totti, Mohamed Salah, Miralem Pjanic, Raja Nengolan, Daniele De Rossi, Costas Manolas, and Morgan De Sanctis. Politano also assisted on the first goal, and he didn't just assist the goal, he was instrumental in the build-up, playing three given goals before Gregoire Defrel ultimately finished. Politano scored five goals in his inaugural season in Serie A, despite being used mostly as a substitute. However, he became a mainstay in Sassuolo starting 11 the following season, after the club sold Nicola Sansone to Villarreal. That season, he had a goal and assist during the Europa League qualifiers that saw Sassuolo through to the group stage for the first and only time in club history. Well to keep possession, real chance for a third. Can they get it? Yes, they can! And that seals all three points for Sassuolo. A magical night for them. Three second-half goals. And it's one that's deserved for Matteo Politano. He's been at the heart of everything good that Sassuolo have done. That was Politano scoring Sassuolo's third in a 3-0 win over Athletic Bilbao. He also scored against Genk in the next match, but Sassuolo failed to make it into the knockout stages, winning just one while losing three and drawing two. As I'm sure most of our listeners know, the 2017-2018 Serie A season saw Juventus and Napoli go head-to-head for the title, while the two clubs pulled away from the rest of the pack. Meanwhile, Sassuolo got off to a horrendous start to the season. With a record of three wins, two draws, and nine losses, the club sacked Christian Bucchi and replaced him with Beppe Iacchini. Two months later, during the winter transfer window, Napoli tried to sign Politano to add depth to the attack while Arkadouche Milik recovered from a knee injury. A deal had apparently been reached, but due to issues with the paperwork, the deal fell through. And according to Sassuolo chairman Giovanni Carnevali, Sassuolo never intended to sell Politano, but the Laurentiis' version of the story is very different. He claimed that the clubs agreed to a two-year loan deal with an obligation to buy, and that Napoli would send Adam Munis in the other direction. Speaking to Premium Sport, De Laurentiis said, At 10.48pm or maybe 10.51, we sent a contract to Carnavali. He told me that the lines were busy and nothing was coming through, but then a contract arrived on my end for Unas, missing the official stamp and signature, so I don't understand. Can we say this whole thing is a little mysterious? De Laurentiis went on to say that he wasn't too disappointed as Politano was neither as talented nor as versatile as Simone Verdi, and in his opinion, he was throwing money out the window. Two months later, after that failed signing, Sassuolo visited the San Paolo, already 46 points behind their opponents in the table. For the first time that season, Iacchini switched to a 3-5-2 formation and paired Politano with Domenico Berardi, as the attacking duo. 
La battuta di Sensi a cercare un colpo di testa sul palo e poi il pallone messo in porta da Politano e il vantaggio al Sassuolo dopo 22 minuti del primo tempo. Sassuolo 1, Napoli 0. That was Politano getting his revenge, scoring the opening goal of the match. And this was really a season-changing goal for Napoli, though Callejon equalized in the 80th minute, the draw, combined with the Juventus win over last place Benevento, would mean Napoli were four points back of Juventus in the table, and they ultimately never made that ground up. Iacchini played this formation for the balance of the season, which worked out very well for Politano. The Italian scored seven goals in the final ten matches of the season, and finished the year with a career-high 10 Serie A goals, while also picking up four assists. That was enough to draw the attention of Inter. On June 30th, 2018, the Milano club signed Politano on a season-long loan from Sassuolo with an option to buy at the end of the year. Politano was added to the list of impressive signings for Inter that season, which included Stefan de Vrij from Lazio, Asamoah from Juventus, Lautaro Martinez from Racing Club, and Raja Nangolan from Roma. Politano made his official debut for Inter on August 19th in the opening match of the 2018-2019 campaign against his former club Sassuolo, which ended in a 1-0 away loss. That September, he made his debut in the UEFA Champions League in a 2-1 comeback win over Tottenham at the San Siro in the first match of the group stage. And on September 29th, he scored his first goal in the black and blue. Corner taken. Andreoli again, leaping high. Politano! What a strike! Politano makes sure of all three points with a wonderful volley from outside the area, beating Cranio. That was Politano scoring a sensational volley against Cagliari to secure the three points. Though he only netted five times on the season, only Samir Handanovic played more minutes than Politano on the season. After making 48 appearances, Inter exercised their option to purchase the forward. However, with the appointment of Antonio Conte as head coach for this season, combined with the signing of Romelo Lukaku, Politano lost his place in the starting 11. And in January, Napoli confirmed they signed the winger from Inter on a 2.2 million euro loan deal for 18 months with an obligation to buy the player for 19 million euros plus 2 million euros in bonuses. The deal seemed beneficial for both the player and the club. Napoli were in the market for a winger with the expectation that Callejon would leave in the summer, and Politano was keen on a return to a starting role so he could try to win a spot on Roberto Mancini's national team roster. Speaking of the Nazionale, Politano played with the U19, U20, and U21 squads, and has three caps for the senior squad, two of which were friendlies and one was a European qualifier against Liechtenstein. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is Politano's strengths and weaknesses. In terms of his strengths, he can play anywhere across the front three. He's an extremely direct, positive, and efficient player. He's excellent on the ball, and he uses skills as well as his intelligence in knowing when to dribble versus when to pass to avoid being dispossessed. His positional sense is exceptional as well. And lastly, he can take free kicks, which is particularly useful on the right side of the pitch because he's left-footed. In terms of weaknesses, while Politano knows when to pass and when not to, his pass accuracy is not great, particularly with long balls and when he's switching the play. He also has a tendency to choose the more difficult passes, which are more likely to result in turnovers. Now, I mentioned two episodes ago that I would profile a player I didn't particularly like, so let me close by explaining that a little bit. 
the truth is, it's not so much that I don't like the player as it is that I don't like the signing. Like Lobotka, I think it's too early to judge his play with Napoli so far. He's only made seven appearances in all competitions, and of those, only three of them were starts. And I do think he has quite a bit of potential. The real issue I have is the price that Napoli paid for him. I get the requirement to maintain a minimum number of Italian-born players, but I think Napoli paid way too much for Politano. Other than his one season where he scored 10 goals, Politano has not scored more than 5 goals in any Serie A season. During that same period, he hasn't recorded more than 6 assists, which I think is on the lower end for a winger. And even in the season where he scored 10, as I mentioned a moment ago, 7 of those goals came playing as a center forward, which is not the position he will play for Napoli, especially now with Mertens about to renew. I personally would prefer to see Lozano on the right wing instead of Politano. As I mentioned on a previous episode, that's where Lozano had the most success with PSV. Now, I've seen conflicting reports about Lozano. A while ago, I read that Gattuso has a plan for him, hence my speculation about the Mexican playing on the wing. But I've also seen reports that Gattuso doesn't have a plan for him and therefore he could be sold. I don't buy those latter reports. I think that Laurentiis and Juntoli want to see him play for another year while healthy before they make that call. Plus, they wouldn't get the price that they want for him right now because his value is down. Finally, Napoli is pretty active on the market for a winger. Now, that could be succession planning for Lorenzo Insigne, who's starting to get up there in age. But it could also be an indication that the club is not confident that Politano will be a long-term solution on the wing. So that's my profile of Matteo Politano. In part three, we'll do our second feature. Okay, so I've been tracking the issues between Sedia and the three broadcasters, Sky, The Zone, and IMG, for a little while now. As a reminder, or if this is your first time listening to Forza Napoli, the current situation is that the broadcasters are withholding the final payment for broadcasting rights. I've seen different reports in terms of the dollar figures. Originally, I saw $230 million, but this week I saw a report saying Sky owe $132 million and The Zone and IMG combined owe $81 million, so that would total $213 million. According to the contract, the broadcasters are required to pay, but they've withheld the payment hoping to negotiate a reduction with Sedia, and Sedia is not budging, and in fact, they may start legal proceedings, the first step of which is to file an injunction with the courts. Meanwhile, Minister of Sport Vincenzo Spadafora is lobbying to have matches broadcast for free, like Germany did, though as I mentioned earlier, Germany only did it for the first two weeks. Spadafora's hope is that by televising the matches for free, people won't gather to watch them, which then controls the spread of the virus. 
So I thought this would be a good time to talk about Serie A broadcasting rights. And for this feature, I'm going to rely on an excellent article that Paolo Macchi wrote for Withers Worldwide entitled The Impact of Coronavirus on Italian Football Media Rights, which I will post a link to on Twitter. If you've read about these disputes or about Spadafora's idea of broadcasting for free, you've probably seen the references to changing the Melandri law. So that's what I'll focus on most because this law is really at the core of the issue. Prior to the Melandri law being introduced in 2008, each individual club was responsible for selling TV rights directly to the broadcasters. The issue with that approach was that it tipped the skills too heavily in the favor of the larger clubs. You can imagine how much Juventus or Milan would generate in broadcasting deals compared to, say, Spal or Brescia. The big clubs are then able to spend more on higher quality players, which makes them more successful and drives their broadcasting revenue higher, so the problem perpetuates itself. And while you can argue that those big clubs have earned that money, this is generally bad for Serie A as a whole. The Melandri law applies to all sports recognized by the Italian Olympic Committee, CONI, which includes Serie A. And what it did was introduce the notion of co-ownership between the clubs collectively and the governing body, which is Lega Serie A. While the individual clubs still own the content, the league is entrusted with the responsibility of selling the broadcasting rights. So the current deal, which is for the three-season period from 2018 to 2021, is with three broadcasters. Sky and DAZN have collectively agreed to pay 973 million euros per season, to broadcast the live matches locally, with Sky getting 266 live matches and the zone getting the remaining 114. In addition to that, IMG was awarded the rights to sell broadcasting of Serie A internationally. The distribution of revenue is structured as follows. 50% of the broadcasting revenue is shared equally amongst the clubs, so this is Serie A's version of revenue sharing, so each club is guaranteed nearly 50 million euros off the bat, not including revenue from international broadcasting. 30% is based on sporting performance, so that doesn't bode well for Napoli this year. However, because of Napoli's loyal fan base, the club does benefit from the final 20%, which is based on the target audience, so the big clubs are still rewarded for their efforts via the latter 50%. Okay, so that's the Melandri law. Now, why does this get in the way of Spadafora's proposal to broadcast matches for free? The reason is because the contract between Serie A and the broadcasters may not contain a force majeure clause. For those who are not familiar with the legal jargon, force majeure is a legal term that refers to an unforeseen event that prevents a party from fulfilling the contract. The fact that there is a dispute suggests that the contract probably does not have a force majeure clause. So there's nothing in the contract that says what happens in the event of an unforeseen event occurring. And clearly COVID-19 falls into that category. After this pandemic, you can bet that every future TV contract and every player contract for that matter will have a force majeure clause in it. When you don't have this clause, only two things govern the relationship, the contract itself and the law. And that's an important distinction. If Serie A chooses to cancel the season, even if the reason for their choice is because of COVID-19, Serie A would be in breach of the contract for failing to deliver the 380 live matches they've agreed to deliver. As a result of said breach, the broadcasters would be entitled to sue Serie A for damages, and you would think at a minimum they would seek about 317.5 million euros, which is the proportionate share of the unplayed matches applied to the total contract value of 973 million euros. 
Now that's a bit of an oversimplification. I'm sure the broadcasters have metrics for determining which matches are more valuable than others based on historical ratings or advertising sales or something like that, but it at least gives you an order of magnitude. Knowing this, you pretty quickly realize that Sedia will never simply choose to cancel their season. They'll do everything in their power to continue playing and only stop if they're ordered to do so by the government. Because if that happens, if the government issues a decree to cancel the rest of the Sedia matches, Lega Sedia is not in breach of its contract and therefore they cannot be sued. The broadcasters can request a refund, but ultimately this scenario probably ends up in the courts as well and would likely end through some sort of mediation process. In order for the public to be able to watch matches for free, the government would have to issue a decree to change the Melandry law to allow for someone other than those who paid for the rights to show the matches. So if that happens, who gets to show the matches? At the moment, it seems the answer is everyone. Rai Sport issued a statement that echoed the sentiments of Mediaset, saying that the only way to avoid competition issues is to allow all TV broadcasters the rights to show matches. And if I understand the issue correctly, what Rai is saying is if you were to allow Sky to broadcast the matches on public TV, i.e. free to watch, they would have a competitive advantage over the other public TV providers via the higher viewership and associated advertising revenue, which at the same time would pull viewers away from the other channels. So that's the current situation with broadcasting rates. I'm very curious to see how Spadafoda handles this situation because I don't think Seria and the broadcasters are going to come to an agreement anytime soon. That's also going to do it for this episode of Forza Napoli. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with your friends. You can also leave comments and reviews on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions for me or if you'd like me to review anything in particular, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti 5 or you can find the pod at Forza Napoli Pod. You can also find my work at worldfootballindex.com. Until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.